We believe pharmacists are the hub of healthcare and our favorite providers. We know it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and forget that we went into pharmacy to make a difference. And we really do make a difference, even with the smallest decisions. That's why I want to tell you about Ultimed's Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, a pen needle product that makes real, tangible change possible for our patients in the communities we serve. UltiGuard Safe Pack Pen Needles are an FDA-cleared product that provides 100 premium pen needles in a sharps container, all in one convenient package system. When you dispense the UltiGuard Safe Pack, you protect families and your community from sharps injuries, and you remove medical waste from the environment. To learn more, visit altiguardsafepack.com forward slash podcast. That's altiguardsafepack.com forward slash podcast. When you dispense the Altiguard Safe Pack, you choose positive change. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast with Dr. Christina Madison. Dr. Madison's mission is focused on spreading knowledge about public health to create better communities. The Public Health Pharmacist is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Today, I have another amazing guest, uh, Miss Sue Paul, and we are going to be talking all things precision medicine and why we as pharmacists need provider status and there should be a pharmacist in every physician's office. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Sue so she can tell us a little bit more about herself. Well, that's probably the most wonderful introduction I've ever had. Thank you so much, Christina. Um, And so I'm Sue Paul. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm a traditional pharmacist slash turned entrepreneur. I went from black and white thinking of this is pharmacy and this is the way things need to be done to uh, thinking outside the box to be able to better take care of patients. I have three companies. One is Synergy Consulting. It is a concierge pharmacy practice. I go where the patients are. So I go either to a physician's office or to their homes and I help them with their medications. It's considered a non-dispensing pharmacy in the state of Ohio. And the second company I have is Metapreneurs. It is a national conference for pharmacy entrepreneurs. We are working on our third live event, which will take place in Cincinnati, Ohio, October 8th to the 10th. And then the third business is PGX 101. I've been using pharmacogenomics in my um, AmCare practice for since 2016 and realized not enough pharmacists or healthcare providers knew the science behind pharmacogenomics. And so we facilitate, my partner and I, Dan Krinsky, facilitate a, a 20-hour certificate training course um, in pharmacogenomics and then offer support on the back end also. Well, that is a lot. <laughs> and you're also, um, you're a mom as well, is that correct? It is. So, so. I, I think the businesses have taken the place of the kids. I have four kids. Uh, we had four kids in five years. And so I was running with them for 
you know, so long. And then when my youngest turned 13, that's when I started my first business. So kind of took the place. Yeah, no, I think when you start your entrepreneurial journey, it almost ends up being another baby. And so, you know, it grows and matures. And, you know, they say if you can be in business for at least five years, then it's probably going to stick. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of pharmacists in general don't really have a lot of experience around or even have just been provided the, you know, sort of the thought process that they can be an entrepreneur. So I applaud you for having those businesses and inspiring other pharmacists to, you know, do what they love um, and, and kind of thinking outside of the box of traditional pharmacy. So with that being said, um, I do have a couple of questions because I'm sure people are dying to know how you kind of got started with all of you know, all of these amazing projects and, and sort of where your leadership journey began. So, you know, obviously, you know, working in a physician's office or going to a patient's home is not something that I think a traditional pharmacist would think would be an option for them. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of your leadership journey and how you got started and, and where, you know, sort of this passion to sort of self-create came from, since that's not something we often see in pharmacy. Yeah, it's, it's been a wild journey and uh, it's, it's something that I felt called to do. I worked in nursing homes for 16 years and realized it, or, or just kept wondering if somebody had gotten, if a pharmacist had gotten to these patients and did this intense review of their medications before they got to the nursing home, they may not need that level of care. If we could have deprescribed on the front end before they uh, got to that point. And so I kept thinking that. And then once uh, I was working in the nursing homes, I was working in re independent retail hosp uh, pharmacies. I went to work in a hospital for a while and just I found that that's where it all starts. There's an event that happens. They have a bag of meds at home. They bring home another bag of meds from the hospital and there's mass confusion. I attempted to try, uh, I pitched a transition of care program and this was back in 2012 or so. And um, they, the hospital system I was working for was not interested, but it just wouldn't leave me alone. And so I, um, started taking classes, business mentorship classes, hired a business coach, created a plan, and thought, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help patients with their medications before they get to nursing homes. And while I was doing that, I was uh, paired up with a SCORE mentor. SCORE is the Service Corps of Retired Executives, a free service, national service, SCORE.org. Check them out. Request a mentor. And my mentor said, you know, you have a very inefficient system. If you want to go in patients' homes and help them with their medicine, this isn't a very efficient model. He said, you know, bank robbers go to the bank because that's where the money is. Why don't you go to the doctor's offices because that's where the patients are? Brilliant. That is amazing, by the way. Like, just my brain is just like, oh, my gosh, it's so brilliant. <laughs> it is. It is. And, he, you know, he wasn't a pharmacist or anything. He... But yeah, God love Jim Staley. So um, 
I did. And we created my business plan based on that business model. Um, I, I kind of did it in the hospital system where I was working with the cardiologists. Um, would, I would go in with them and into their phys, uh, appointments with their patients. And um, they just really loved it. I pitched this to them and it got all the way to the director of physicians. And that took months and months and months. And then the director of physicians quit. And so we had to go back down a couple rungs. In the meantime, there was, it's the hospital system where I was working was, it was kind of a toxic environment. And um, it was time to go. <clears throat> so I had my business plan and just left. I, I took the leap because it was just that bad. Um, I really didn't have plans. And honestly, it's, it's a faith journey that I'm walking here. Um, I felt called to leave. And right away, I had another opportunity in a nursing home, which led to this physician's office being introduced there. And um, I had the business plan already. Um, and so it's been, I've been there since 2016. Wow, that's amazing. So interesting to uh, thinking back to where you know, hospital systems were not investing in things like transitions of care because now it is a Medicare requirement and, you know, hospital readmission rates are going towards their scores and are directly going to impact whether or not they get reimbursed for services. So it's really interesting if you think about uh, the sort of the foresight that they should have had back then investing in something before uh, you know, it became an issue. It's it's funny, you know, with my, you know, my public health background, I think about that so often, right? So, you know, one of the things about public health that I think a lot of people don't realize is, you know, we uh, are here and when we do our job really well, you don't know we exist, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have mm -hmm. clean air and you have clean water and you have safe streets and paved roads and people wear their seatbelts so they survive car accidents. And, mm -hmm. you know, people get their vaccinations because they have access to them. So you don't have outbreaks of communicable diseases and you do things like disaster preparedness to prevent catastrophic failure of your healthcare system during a pandemic. So uh, with that being said, uh, it's just really interesting that I think if people thought about a little investment on the front end, how many things that we could prevent and how better run our healthcare system could be if we utilize some of these services that I think are really untapped and amazing resources, right? So I always say, if I could, if I could rule the world, if I could take over the world, I think there would be a pharmacist in every health department. But I think it's kind of the same way with you, right? If you could take over the world, you would have a pharmacist embedded in every physician's office, right? Physician's office. I think that that's amazing, and I think that that's completely doable. And I know that that's something that you're actively working on. Yes. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about that? I don't know that I'm ready to. Uh... I, I am working on a training program to be able to put pharmacists into physicians' offices um, because that's where it needs to be. I think the beauty of of this journey is that it I, I've created it along the way. Like I didn't follow any template, um, and so 
it, I um, responded to what the doctors needed. And so that's kind of how I have, have uh, focused what I address and how I address it and that type of thing. Um, and it's really, really cool. Um, you know, I think I may have mentioned in the past that, well, I guess it only happened two months ago. One of my physicians told me that I take 90% of the work off of her plate. Once she diagnoses them, if they're uncontrolled, uncontrolled, she'll diagnose them, whatever it is, diabetes, high blood pressure, um, gout, whatever. And then she'll send them to me a couple weeks to a month later. And, um, um, you know, I go over lifestyle changes they can make. I make sure they know what their medicine's for. I can make, I make sure that they can afford their medications. Um, and then my overall goal is getting them off of medicine whenever possible. And so that's kind of the approach I take with the patients. Yeah, and I think just being an advocate for that and even just making space for people to understand that that is a potential career option for pharmacists, I think is hugely impactful. And even just, you know, being on podcasts, doing webinars, you know, going on Clubhouse, talking about these things, right? I think they these are all ways and mechanism that we can advance the profession because, you know, we're we're not a monolith, right, as a profession of pharmacy. I think that's that's the one misnomer, right? Because unfortunately we have really bad PR when it comes to the profession, right? So either you are somebody who's a layperson and only thinks pharmacists count pills or you are that rare, you know, provider that is like so solely dependent on their pharmacist, like your physician is, that they're like screaming it from the rooftops that they can't be without their pharmacist and don't understand why they can't be paid for what they're mm-hmm. doing, right? So it's like, we have to bridge the gap. We, we got to kind of tell those people over here that no, pharmacists don't just count pills. We do many other things and probably are in some cases, more knowledgeable about your medication than your your provider or your prescriber mm-hmm. is, and then also on the other side, you know, saying to those you know those providers that love us and and can't live without us that we're not all unicorns. That there is the possibility that we can train and make more of us, yes. <laughs> and that we should spread the love. Right? <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, we totally have the background and the training to do what I'm doing. Yeah, it's like any residency trained pharmacist, and it doesn't even have to be residency trained, but mm-hmm. anybody who's worked um, where the patient has a known diagnosis that's medication intensive can do this, yes. right? Like I say that all the time, any, any known diagnosis that's medication intensive, a pharmacist can manage, right? Absolutely. And not to mention the fact that most, most people live within five miles of a pharmacy. Yes. Right. Like, and if we're talking about the fact that there is a huge provider shortage, that's Mm -hmm. not just physicians, that's nurse practitioners, that's PAs, you know, anybody who's a potential prescriber, we have a shortage. And we know that when you work as a team, patients get better care and patients have better outcomes. So I think what you're doing is the future. And I hope that people uh, look you up after this interview and see the amazing work that you're doing, because I think it is, um, it's where our profession needs to move forward. And we need to go to where the patients are, 
and where are the patients? Right? Like where's the money? The money, exactly. Like where's the money at the bank? The patients are at the doctor's office. Right. So, wow, I absolutely adore that uh, analogy. Yeah. And, and thank you for bringing up SCORE because I actually uh, did SCORE as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my mentor was, was really helpful uh, and pointed me into a direction where I felt like I could actually do this whole entrepreneurial thing. So thank you for bringing that up because it is a free service and I don't think a lot of people know about it. So I'm definitely going to include that in the links right. for this episode. Yeah, they've been to all of our Metapreneurs conferences so far. They all- so awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things I just wanted to talk to you about, because obviously working in a physician's office, being in the front line, being around patients, I know that things have changed because of the pandemic. Um, can you talk a little bit about how your practice has uh, evolved since mm-hmm. the beginning of the pandemic and what things you feel like uh, may stay around or what things, uh, have maybe improved your patient care. Um, and maybe some things that have maybe caused a little bit of some challenges with your patients. Cause I know some people just really do better in person. Um, so if you want to maybe speak to that. We have been seeing patients in person the whole time. Um, oh, wow. okay. we did have telehealth. We also have telehealth as an option. So we added that on. The funny thing is, is, you know, my visits are being billed and um, the in-person visits, we don't have any problem with reimbursement, but the telehealth, we could not get reimbursed. So that, whatever. So I would just flip it over to a provider's schedule. But um, my, one of my physicians, I work with 20 providers. Uh, One that she said, um, she calls it the gifts of COVID. The patients are now starting to come back in. The 15 extra pounds, the uncontrolled A1Cs, and blood pressure that's out of control. She's like, oh, you've got some gifts from COVID. I'm going to send you to Sue. So it has just really um, solidified. Hashtag gifts from COVID. I'm making it a hashtag. <laughs> making it a hashtag. Making it a hashtag. Oh, yes, yes. So um, I've heard of the quarantine 15, but never heard of the COVID gifts of COVID. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, it's good. It's really increased my, you know, productivity and all that stuff because our, my poor provider, everybody's burnt out. It's been a hell of a year. It's been hard. And so just having somebody to share the wealth with is um, good. And, and you know, most of my providers are verbal processors, which I absolutely love because they're sitting there and they're ta- talking about what's going through their head. So I learned just so incredibly much from them. Um, but yeah, they've, they've just increased my hours at the um, um, one practice where I work because it's needed. You're so needed. It's booked. It is full. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I just wanted to touch on something that you mentioned about billing, because that's a big thing. And didn't something recently change in in Ohio in order to recognize pharmacists? Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So we just got provider status where we, um, if we apply, we can be Medicaid enrolled in our Medicaid program as and reimbursed as a provider. Um, th- we also need to contract with the other insurance companies, um, which I'm in the process of doing. But I, 
I think this, I'm a retail pharmacist at heart, like love working with the patients. And so I really see this as the place to move the my vision of retail pharmacy from a dispensing role only to a place, yes, you're going to have a product to pick up, but you're coming in to see the pharmacist who's going to be managing your chronic disease states. Um, and I do see more of a role for technicians in that area and, um, uh, you know, the um, te technology taking over some of the manual roles that we've been doing. Yeah, more of the like digital health space and being able to utilize that to actually dispense versus, mm -hmm. you know, which, which I think that there's two perspectives, right? So I know yes. a lot of pharmacists that work in informatics and work in the digital health space. And I think their perspective is not that, you know, that technology is going to replace pharmacists, but that it is actually going to free up the pharmacist from what they're currently doing in order to allow them to actually practice at the top of their education and the top of their licensure, right? Because right now, these are tasks that are bogging us down that are not allowing for us to take that additional time that the physician or the provider often does not have to explain the medications to the patient and then also providing specialty pharmacy services like vaccinations and injectable drugs and contraception and medication-assisted treatment for addiction medicine and smoking cessation and HIV prevention and the list goes on, right? So obviously this is like my public health space. I know, yeah, I, know. I just, I'm like, this is, this is where I see us going, right? Like we, we can't provide everything right? And we're totally seeing it right now with the pandemic. It's like the backs of the vaccine effort is being placed on pharmacists, right? Yep. But they're not actually giving you the time and the staff to do the job. <laughs> so backward, so backward. Yeah. yeah. So um, it'll be really interesting to see. I'm hopeful that now that the, the need is being met, and the sort of the genies out of the bottle with all the things that pharmacists can do that it doesn't go back in the bottle, right? So like, hey, look at all the things that pharmacists can do. Look at the fact that we are like probably single-handedly ending this pandemic, right? Because we're doing testing, we're doing treatment, we're doing vaccinations, right? And that's across the board. That's hospital pharmacists, that's long-term care pharmacists, that's community pharmacists, that's ambulatory care, that's everybody, right? So it's really funny. I was just talking to one of my um, one of my colleagues who works for St. Louis College of Pharmacy. And she was saying, you know, all of the AmCare people are slammed right now because of the, the vaccine effort. But this time last year, it was all of our inpatient colleagues that were slammed, right? Mm -hmm. They were all underwater, you know, having to deal with no PPE, huge rates of hospitalization and ICU utilization, and they were swamped, right? Mm -hmm. And now it's the reverse. But the, the, the key here is that it's still pharmacists and we're yeah. still working overtime and we need to get paid. We need to get That's compensated right. for our That's services, yeah. right? Yeah. We need to be compensated. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I think it's really awesome that you have found this mechanism to 
really be not just acknowledged and appreciated, because I'm sure that the providers that you work with absolutely adore you, but that you are actually being compensated for the work that you're doing. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. And it's like, we need more examples of that because I think pharmacists need to see that this isn't, you know, like I said, a unicorn status that you can learn this, you can do this too. Like it just takes a little time, but you know, that the, the, the thought process and the mindset that you can be an entrepreneur, you can work for yourself. You don't have to be connected to a corporation or a chain or a big box store. You can work and still be able to have meaning and have purpose and, you know, serve your patients. And I don't know exactly how you said, I think you said work through by faith or Uh, a faith journey. Thank you. Your faith journey. Thank you. I I just think that's so beautiful. And, um, you know, we, we know each other because, you know, we've been connected for almost a year and a half now, I think, I think the first time I was because of the metapreneur. So I kind of knew you through that, then through social media. And then we started, uh, you know, working together with the pharmacy influencer group, but I've just thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you and understanding better what you do. Because that's the thing about when you see people online and you see these pharmacy influencers and people that have this like really, you know, important social media presence and they're really out there advocating for pharmacy, you don't sometimes quite know the backstory, right? Like I didn't know you had been doing this for six years. Like I just thought, you know, you had always done this. Like I had no idea that there was this whole journey behind it. And that, you know, you really had to put the work in and that you had no template, that you basically had to make it up as you went. And that that's, that's really scary, right? It's scary when you don't know if it's going to work out or not. And I just think that that's, that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, and obviously your journey, uh, what do you feel has been like one of the best investments that you made, uh, when you were starting out, when you were first starting out on your entrepreneurial journey? Because I think that's a lot of times pharmacists don't even know where to start. And I think you had mentioned that you hired a business coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just curious, like, what do you feel like has been kind of like your best ROI, like your return on investment? Definitely hiring the business coaches. Um, that's what helped me switch my mindset from because I did have a lot of doubt. It's like, who am I to think that I can go out and create this? Um, but the the, the fabulous do that too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and so, and then I also went through that business incubator, two different things. So I had a business coach, but I also went through a business incubator because I didn't have like a business plan course when I went to school back in the day. Um, so I needed those skills. And so I actually had to do, it was like a shark tank thing where I had to pitch my idea and then then I was approved to be in this incubator. Um, yeah, it was called Bad Girl Ventures. Wow, that's I so know. cool. I know. I and know. that was that something that was in Cincinnati or like- Yeah, was it was, that one was in Cincinnati. My business coach was in Asheville, North Carolina, but my wow. the business incubator was in Cincinnati. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I feel like that's something that's been a common theme. So when I've talked to other pharmacy entrepreneurs that they're like, every coach I know has a coach, everybody has a coach, like, like mm-hmm. you, you need somebody to help guide you so that mm-hmm. you can 
figure out where you want to go. And again, going back to mindset, kind of out of that, like I work for somebody else versus I work for myself and, you know, being able to generate leads and, and being able to be okay with, you know, sometimes you have a good month, sometimes you have a bad month, right? Like that kind of thought process is very different from how pharmacists usually think, right? Yes. So that's, wow, that's really great. Um, It's great advice. Uh, So with that being said, um, if you could talk to your younger self, younger Sue Paul, um, (laughs) what would you tell yourself uh, that you know now that -hmm. you wished you had known then? Each step along the way, even the ones where I wasn't as fulfilled as I am right now, has given me skills and tools that I use now. So even if it wasn't a great time during my life, even, even oh, I was a Girl Scout leader for nine years, even taking those 22 second graders camping, good Lord, um, <laughs> that has taught me how to do a conference or, you know, plan and feed all these people who are coming. (laughs) So everything has has played a role in what I am today. And I didn't realize it at the time when the struggles were real. We are all on the struggle bus. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. That's great. So... uh, (laughs) Um, I'll have to remember that when I uh, decide whether or not to put my three-year-old in girls. Yeah, let her. But when they say, do you want to be the leader? (laughs) There's no leaders here. Bring them in and I'll vaccinate them all. We'll just go from there. (laughs) I would be, that is a great business tip. I think I'm going to contact the Girl Scouts and ask them if they want me to come vaccinate all of their scouts. I think that's a great idea. You could get uh, Trenny. She's out there, right? Kunky? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, her husband works for my university. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's you guys so are on something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm going to check it out for sure. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so I'm just curious. I mean, I think oftentimes I always say this: if you see it, you can be it, right? So having role models and having somebody that you can see yourself, you know, emulating or being or even just qualities of a job or, you know, a position that you want to obtain. It's, it's really nice to see somebody that you think that you could be at some point in your career. So, I mean, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that role models and in particular female role models, uh, you know, women uh, uh, that are ethnic, women that are diverse, right, come from different backgrounds. I think that having those kinds of role models is, is really important. And so I was just wondering, like, with your journey, like, who were the people that you felt were impactful? Like, who, like, what role model did you have that you really feel like made the biggest professional influence for you? Mm, that's that's a hard one um it can be more than one (laughs) I would say the main one her name is uh Sue Ludwig and what she did she was an OT occupational therapist in the NICU and she created her own national and Nant and National Association of Neonatal Therapists 
Um, she's like, oh, there should be this, there should be a place where people can go to learn these things. And by golly, she ended up creating it. And she's been um, running that for the last 11 years. And oh, wow. she was really instrumental in um, pushing me forward and saying, you really should consider getting a business coach and creating your own thing. Because I talked about it all the time. Like, these people are too over-medicated. We need to get them off these medicines. And and nobody's quarterbacking the meds. You know, they've got so many specialists. Nobody's going to the same pharmacy anymore. And even the insurance companies aren't all involved in the safety net because some, some pharmacies are offering $0 or $4 copays. It's not necessarily going through the insurance company. So the insurance company can send you a message saying, hey, they're on two statins. You know, you might want to check that out. Um, and so she was really... Definitely. Her name is Sue Ludwig. Very Another good. fantastic Sue. Another fabulous That's Sue. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something to that. Mm-hmm. One thing I just wanted to point out is that the fact that you had somebody that you felt that was a role model that wasn't another pharmacist, which I actually think is really great, right? So this thought process that we have to find somebody that's within our profession is not always the case right? Like we could have somebody that we uh, aspire to be like, or to emulate, or that has the skills that we want to obtain, right? So she had created this organization. She'd gone through going and getting a business license. She probably had to incorporate all of these things, right? And so I think it's amazing that, you know, she really pushed you to try to do these things because it definitely wasn't part of your mindset at the time, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. right? Which is probably why it took you so long to get to the point where you were like, okay, I need to take this leap of faith. And it might've been even just a little bit of a circumstance as well because it sounds like, you know, maybe if that, that instance where you were in a hospital system that was more uh, accepting and wanting of your services and your expertise that you may have stayed. And we don't know, we may not have had PGX 101. We may not have had Medipreneurs. We may not have had Synergy, right? Like, which is so scary to think of because it's so needed, right? But like, if if you had felt more uh, at home and had felt more like you were fulfilling your purpose, this may not have happened, right? So it's also a little bit about circumstances and knowing when it's time to make the leap right Mm -hmm. and that it's okay Mm -hmm. and that the devil you don't know sometimes might be better than the devil you do know right (laughs) exactly yeah there's lots of devils out there in healthcare (laughs) even just the collaboration piece like that's the one thing I will say that has been another uh gift of COVID right hashtag gift of COVID uh, has been just the amazing amounts of collaboration within different healthcare professionals so you know with the vaccine effort in particular there's people from all over that have been deployed to help out, right? So you've got Mm -hmm. people from FEMA, people from HHS, people from USDA, people from, you know, the state, people from the health department, like you've got all these people working together and 
coming together for a common goal and a common good. And I hope that we don't lose that after the pandemic, because I think the thing that I've realized is that we need everyone. Like we're, we can't do this solo. We can't do it on our own. And we work so much better together than we do apart. Absolutely. Team-based care involving the patient too. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, even just talking about things related around like health literacy and, uh, you know, inequities and health disparities. Like I, I really, it's been really interesting to see that there's more conversations about these things. I mean, as somebody who's always worked in vault with vulnerable populations and people who are in mm-hmm. you know, typical lower socioeconomic status, I, this is the first time I've heard so many people talking about inequities and health disparities. I'm like, wow, this is really great, right? And so I'm hoping that it's not just a buzzword and I'm hoping it's not just the flavor of the moment, but that we do really try to focus on addressing some of these, you know, these things that really were always there, but the pandemic just made even more visible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Sue, this has been an amazing conversation. I hope we can do it again. Uh, With that being said, I want everyone else to benefit from your knowledge and expertise, such as I have. So where can people find you and how can they get a hold of you if they are interested in one of your three companies, which is amazing, um, so that we can continue to advance the profession? Um, find me on LinkedIn. I'm connected to Christina. So, um, you can definitely find me through her. Um, but that's where I hang out most of the time we do. I do have, uh, the websites for the companies. Synergy is spelled with an X. So it's S Y N E R X G Y.com. PGX 101 is PGX 101.com and Metapreneurs is M E D I P R E N E U R s.com next live training is going to be in october 8th to the 10th we cannot wait to see people again it's going to be in cincinnati ohio um really hope you you can check out the website for all the details yes and i've heard nothing but amazing things uh about the metapreneur uh experience people leaving there feeling like they could take over the world um you know one of our fellow farm influencers, Frank North, he, he told me, you know, that he just left there just knowing that he was going to change the world. Right. So uh, yeah, and he's doing it. Right. So that's the thing. I think when you get like-minded people together and you show them a path, Mm -hmm. uh, it really does make a difference and, Mm -hmm. you know, knowledge is power and, we just need to spread the word that, you know, pharmacists yeah. can do anything, right? So, you know, I, I think that the pandemic has taught us that we can do, um, you know, we can do more, but we need more resources, right? Yeah. And part of that is utilizing resources that you have, like pharmacists that are really what I consider to be an untapped resource more effectively and really um, in a space that helps the overall healthcare system and is not really looked at as just a cog in a wheel, right? Mm-hmm. That we were, we're all instrumental in improving health outcomes and making sure that everyone is healthier and happier. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Christina. I just love what you're doing. 
Thank you, Sue. Until next time. And thank you guys for joining us. I hope you will tune in for another episode of The Public Health Pharmacist. Time is our most precious asset. And we thank you for spending your time with us and Dr. Madison, the public health pharmacist. Learn more at thepublichealthpharmacist.com.